0: Today is February 3rd, 2019. We're already in February, folks. In the past few weeks, we've learned from Isaiah that we are, in fact, a band of survivors. Isaiah thirty-seven thirty-two says, for out of Jerusalem will come a remnant out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. Come on, somebody say band of survivors. The, survivors. the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We learn through the band of survivors that because we are a band, that our words to each other can be more destructive than even the words of the enemy. Do you remember that from a few weeks ago? That instead we are to be tenacious in clinging to his word, that we are to be perfected like the saints of old, and we are to open our mouths and let him fill it with his words. We then learned that we are a band of brothers. Y'all a band of brothers? Yes.
1: Amen. Born in adversity, this comes from Proverbs 17, 17. Friend loves at all times, brother, but a brother is born for adversity. We, meaning LCM and all the One Association churches, are building churches that are solely focused on living for the glory of God. Are you all living for the glory of God? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me describe to you exactly what that looks like. That means joining together through suffering. If you guys have suffering. Yes. We join together in it. We're achieving holiness with each person. We're having a family loyalty based on obedience to the word, much like destroying the demonic whispers of offense in our ears Amen. and joining together in unity to see the works of the devil crushed. Amen. We are being a band of brothers with unashamed
0: love. Amen. We didn't learn from Nick and Judah how to be able to To overcome being branded as slaves, that branding that comes from the kind of past failures, the past sins, the lack of character and colossal problems that we've had. The truth of the kingdom is found in living as a resurrected bondsman and joining your life to others who have the same convictions. Amen. You guys remembering some of these? You should be because the idea of what we're doing is not disjunct that what the Lord is speaking to us merely a few weeks ago should be currently active in our lives. How could we say, man, that was a fantastic service, Pastor. That was, man, we was great. What did we preach about? I don't know, but it was really good. What we're trying to do is build a group of disciples here, a band of brothers, a band of survivors, a band of the resurrected bondsmen that are able to stand and say, we clearly heard what the Lord spoke to us and we began to put it in practice. We can tell you exactly what was said. Why? Because we're living it every day. Amen. It's not something to be memorized as it were a task in school. It's something to be lived out in our daily lives. Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Come on, you don't turn weakness to strength by hiding it. You turn weakness to strength by dying to yourself and letting everyone know that I'm already a dead man walking. And we are resurrected by his power. who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Man, we are in a midst of a time where God is speaking to us clearly. Can you hear him speaking today? Can you feel what he's trying to do in this place today? This is not just a normal Sunday. If you've come here and you think it's just the first Sunday in February, my friend, you are sadly mistaken. This is a time for you to meet with the emperor of the universe, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. If you think that you are here by mistake, you are so mistaken. Because the Lord of all creation brought you here today to speak to you. Are you ready for the Lord to speak to you today? I sure am. There was a hunger
1: during worship. That was a hunger for victory. And I think more importantly, there was a call forth for those that are hungering for a greater level of discernment. You need to hear God's voice clearly. You need to be able to see the vision that he's trying to implant in you. Well, when we had the message last Sunday, which was phenomenal, by the way, we were learning about being a band of the restored. Come on, what God is doing in this place is something more than just being survivors, something more than just being a band of brothers. God is restoring the discernment in this church. God is uh, restoring your discernment and ability to hear his voice. He is eagerly awaiting to respond to our repentance with restoration. He's longing to use us as his spokesman, as his mouthpiece, so that he can fill our mouths with worthy and not worthless words. Repentance precedes the powerful restoration, and restoration is the goal. Are you guys being restored by the Holy Ghost? Is the word of God transforming you into a new creation? Yes, daily. That's what we want. First Peter 510 was one of the key scriptures in this message. And the God of all peace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you what saints? Strong, firm Firm, and steadfast. steadfast. This is what the goal is
0: that God has for you, each and every one of you, to make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Amen. And last Wednesday, we heard an incredible message from Justin to knock you upside the head, treester, and Peyton, the Holy Ghost, arson, parsons.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: These powerful men of God taught us to cry out. Very good. All right, it's okay. Y'all are still waking up today. These powerful men of God taught us to cry out, you got to cry out medic when you're out on the field. You got to let people know that you're hurting so that others can run to your aid. You know, that was such an incredible message. We actually had pastor a visitor for the first time here on Wednesday night and their job in the military was being a medic. medic. The testimony of God cannot be understated of what God is doing. See, you just think it was a great sermon. See, you just thought they were powerful words from powerful men. It is the transmission of love from a powerful God to this group of people here in this building. He's speaking to us today through prophecy, through words and tongues, through interpretations of those things. He is moving upon our hearts today that we might cry out medic and receive help. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. We have learned in this time that we are to be a band of survivors, a band of brothers A band of resurrected bondsmen, a band of the restored, and a band of rescuers. Come on, this all leads us up to where we are today. Somebody says, it's today. It's today. The title of today's sermon is Band of Victors. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say Band of Victors. Now turn to Deuteronomy
1: 20. Let's start in verse one. There. Say victors when you get there. There you go. With deep voice. Resignating. Who in this house wants to be included in the band of victors? Right? Amen. When you go to war. Come on, saints. When you go to War. war. Keep that in mind against your enemies, and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. Come on, doing the will of God will put you in direct confrontation with enemies. And more than that, it will be an overpowering force, greater, more numerous than what you have in your own individual strength. That's the kind of God that we serve. He puts us in impossible situations so that he can prove that he is the God of the possible whenever it's impossible. Do not be afraid of them because the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Is it good to have, to know the fact that God is with us? How many times do we forget it, though? Oh, when our, our enemies surround us, when they're more numerous and more powerful than we are, we begin to look at our enemies as greater than the God that is standing next to our side. When you're about to go into battle, the priest come forward and address the army. You know what we're doing this morning? We are addressing the army of the living God. We're trying to rouse up a a fierce, mighty warrior spirit within you that will band together and become a band of victors. He shall say, hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is is the one who goes with you to what, saints? Fight. He is the God who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies and give you victory. What is the purpose of a fight? To win. to win, to have victory. Come on, if it's just to stand in a ring and get your face beaten in, well, that's that's self-inflicted torture. But God has enemies. Let's begin with that understanding. God has enemies. When we unite with God, we're also uniting in a battle, in a war against his enemies. That's going to put you in direct confrontation. That's going to put you in a fight, but you're not alone. You have the almighty God of heavens and of earth standing next to your side. Not only will we fight for you, there is a promise. That promise is that you are going to win. Sometimes there's a catch, though. It can be in the first round. It could be in the fifth round. It could be in the 15th round. How many ever it takes, there is an ultimate promise. And that is that we serve the God who's going to give us victory.
0: Come on, I am so excited about today, I can't hardly stand it. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you guys. I'm looking at a band of victors. Yes. I'm looking at people who are going to learn today that God is going to speak to your heart and remind you of what it means to be a band of victors, to constantly go back, to have a never die, never back up, never shut up or or let up kind of attitude about this, that we're going to go forward in the power and the might of Jesus Christ himself. That we are a band of victors. You may see me on one day and I may not look like it, but I'm telling you that I'm coming back again tomorrow. That I'm going to come back again and again so that God may be seen in me and in us. It's not enough for just a few of us in this room to have the attitude of a band of victors. It is my intent, it is our intent today fully as the priest calling out to the army and saying every man, every woman in this place needs to rise up within themselves and understand that you are a band of victors and you must act like it. Every day, every thought, every speech that you have is to be a band of victors. Don't you let the actual reality of what you see with your eyes distract you from that. That's not reality in and of itself. We are supposed to keep our eyes on Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. That is where we are today. That is where we're going today. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 3. Amen. I will come and pull you out of your seat if I have to today. The beard is starting to grow, and so is my intensity with you. Woo! Hang on, uh-huh. Don't you <laughs> Come on now. First John chapter 5 and verse 3. This is love for God. Wow. Wow, what a great statement. There's a whole lot of people saying, "I want to know what love is." Come on now. I'll tell you what love is. This is love for God. Amen. To obey his commands. Well, that sounds real romantic, isn't it? To obey his commands. And by the way, his commands are not burdensome to you.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Are you feeling burdened here in the church today? There are some people who are walking around with this burdened idea of what it's like to follow Jesus. To show your love for him. This is a a great burden. What's going on? Oh, another difficult day. Really? Really? His commands are not burdensome. What are you under then? If you're feeling... That much weightiness, that much burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Are you feeling light today? You will be if you're not. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now, do we need to do a great word study here that the original language was Greek, probably spoken in Hebrew, to English, through Latin or whatever? Do, Do we need to go into this? Everyone born of God overcomes the world in this room, raise your hand if you're in everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all of us. If you have been born of God, you are designed, made, promised, guaranteed that you will overcome the world. Amen. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Doesn't it take faith to say I am a victor? When you're at this stage in it going, no, I've got a lot of road to go. I've got a long, long way to see it fully manifested in every area of my life. But my faith is going to stand on the guaranteed promise that at the end of the road, if I keep walking, if I keep yielding to him, if I keep obeying his commands and showing him that I love him, he will make me a victor. Amen. Come on now. We can amen it all we want and then turn around and tomorrow when the bank account is a little lower than you think your knees start trembling. When the adversity at work gets a little bit too great, you start doubting everything about your own life. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We must rise up today, church. You got to rise up today church. Amen. That we can allow this faith to be seen. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God, not in some mental capacity, but by every action of your obedience. Man, this is this is where we are we're trying to get to your heart today to encourage you to be victorious. Pastor, let's go to 1st Chronicles 29:11. Say
1: Victor when you get there. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. You ever played uh, an I Spy game? I Spy something whatever color, right? So everyone scours the room. You're looking for this hidden item. As you look at this verse, do you guys see the word victory anywhere in this verse? No, I don't. Now... I've used the NIV 84 for over 20 years. I love it. Most scriptures I remember come out of NIV 84. I can say that there is a hidden gem inside of this that the NIV 84 and 2011, i got to include that in, and 2011, they missed. When you look at the interlinear of the Hebrew, you see something else. Rick is smiling from ear to ear because he has a NASB. Let's pull up the NASB version of this scripture. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Can you see the victory now? Come on, say, sometimes victory is just hidden. It's hidden behind the word that's staring you right in the face. How many times have you woken up in the morning and you are just battling emotions? You're battling thoughts. You can't cast them down quick enough and you're overwhelmed by them. Maybe even the guilt of your own sin that you did that night is weighing on your mind. And you stare at the scripture and you cannot see victory. Come on, we need a a translator. We need the Holy Ghost to open up our eyes, wash our hearts with his blood. And
0: therefore, then we can see the victory that stares us right in the face. Amen. Put up the first slide there for us, Joy. This is the word for victory, by the way. Nesach. Trying. I'm trying to ohad. A noun meaning ever, always, perpetual. Wait, I I thought you guys said that this was the word for victory. It is the word for victory. Do you understand that to define victory, you have to understand that it's perpetual? That what you did once a long time ago, when you asked Jesus to come in your heart and you raised your pinky... You must do that again and again, not the pinky part, but the crying out to God to lay down your life every day. You must daily take up your cross, deny yourself and follow him. You've got to do this in a perpetual manner every day, every thought, every hour. But Lord, I'm a little tired to go. It's okay. We just need you to do it again. You got to just do it again. You got to do this Amen. in a perpetual manner. Amen. Pastor, aren't you proud of me? I was successful in this. Oh. Amen. we are so proud of you. Now, just go do it again. Yeah. Pastor, I've, I've achieved everything that I hope to do. Amen. What a great week in the Lord. Just do it again. Yeah. Amen. Pastor, I went and prayed for somebody. Man, and they got right up out of a wheelchair. Amen. Just do it again. I persevered. Yeah, just do it again. Just do it again. This is what we must do. In Romans 8. 37 it says no we are more More. than conquerors how do you become more than a conqueror a conqueror is pretty amazing i just won now go be more than a conqueror how are you supposed to be more than a conqueror just do it again look at your neighbor and say just do it again just do it again did you read the word of god today did it move your heart you know what you're supposed to do tomorrow just do do it it again. again You prayed and called down fire from heaven today. You know what you're supposed to do tomorrow? Just do it again. If we will just do it again, you will get the attitude of a victor. You will get the status, the standing. You will become a victor if you just do it again. This is what we are moving to today, church. You want advice from your pastors? You want us to give you wisdom from on high? Everything that we've already said, do it. And if you've already done it, just do it again. Come on, it? Deep theology for the masses today, right? Doesn't this sound like a parent crying out to a kid? I clean my room. Just do it again. You know what's great about that statement? Just do it again. It relates to so many ways in your life. Pastor, but I've messed things up. Pastor, you, you don't know where I've been. See, I'm not like some of these other people because my life doesn't look as pristine as what I'm envisioning the people around me to look. It's okay when you cry out to God, you know what he says to you? Just do it again. Yeah. Give your life to me and I'll let you just do it again. I will give you rebirth. I will. You will be born again and you yeah. can just do it again. You can start over here. You don't have to be defined by the branding of your past. You can just do it again today. If you've been doing well, then we're speaking to you as well today. And you've been doing great. Guess what? Just do it again. This is how we advance the kingdom in every way. Turn to Romans chapter 2 and verse 6. A perpetual motion is what gives you victory. This is the secret to victory. The Word of God is yet again pouring it out to us. You want to be victorious? Just do it again. Find out what He says and do it. And then just do it again. Romans chapter 2 verse 6 says, God will give to each person according to what He's done. Uh Uh-oh. You mean it matters what we do? Yeah. See, because if you're just doing it again, but you're following into sin constantly... That's defining you. And God will, in fact, give to each person according to what he has done. But when you walk in righteousness, when you can do it and then just do it again. He gives. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Those who in persistence do it. Come on, Rick. You're a man of persistence. You know what Rick does? He gets up every morning and starts studying the word. You know why? Because he's just going to do it again. Today's a great day. Fantastic. Just do it again tomorrow. Today was an awful day. Fantastic. Just do it again tomorrow. Isn't that difficult for us though? This persistence in doing good and seeking glory. You know what happens when you really do well? You want to take a victory lap. Oh, hang on. Oh, let me rephrase that. (laughs) We want to take a victory lap. Yeah. If you get up and do something fantastic, you want to share with people just to testify to the Lord about what's going on and how he used you. You want to take the victory lap and then you want to go home and kind of veg because after all, we deserve it. That's not how a band of victors thinks, acts or lives their life. The band of victors says, I just had a fantastic victory. Man, with an ox goat, I slayed 600 of the enemy. No problem. You know what I'm going to do? going to clean off the ox code and let's just do this again. If you can develop a mentality that just says we're just going to do it again, you're going to find yourself in the victor's position when it really matters. You're going to find yourself in the victor's position at the end of the day when God is bringing judgment and awarding those according to what he's done, what they've done.
1: Pastor, I I could have swore that there was some other version of this scripture in Romans that uh, to those who by knowledge... In seeking glory, honor, eternal <laughs> life, right? That works? Nope. To those who are the most anointed? No. 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 To those who have the most scripture chains? No. The most stones of scripture cards? What does it take, saints? Persistence in doing good. Because we just have to do it again. Let's go to Exodus 14, verse 13. That's a good word. Word. I'm preaching to you. By that, I meant everybody except Chris. <laughs> Exodus fourteen thirteen. Moses answered the people. Come on, this is a leader of a nation that is being born. And he's trying to give them clarity and direction. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Is that good advice? Is it truthful advice? The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Is that good advice? Is it truthful advice? Verse 15 is going to slap you in the face. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the
0: Israelites to move on. Now, now wait a second, pastor. Everybody in this room just said that verse 14 was really good advice to stand still. He asked you if that was good advice. Yeah, boy, that was good advice for Moses because Moses is a godly man. How did did we all get that wrong?
1: We're not willing to just do it again. Oh, amen. I don't know, something to the effect of ten plagues occurring. And they were able to just be still and watch the deliverance of their God come through for them. But now something is required on their part. They have to step into the Red Sea. They have to even stay where God told them to camp while the enemy is approaching. And the sea is not yet split. And he's telling them, move on. Move on to that perpetual victory. Move on past yesterday's winnings. Don't sit on your laurels. Don't credit yourself With victory when God has more victory to come. And you haven't even accomplished it yet. It's almost like we have to move on into the impossible. The Red Sea story is a great story. I think it's world-renowned what God did for the Israelites. What impossibility is sitting in front of you right now, today? God has told you to camp right on the edge of possibility, of impossibility. Well, that's one thing. But now you have a pressing enemy that wants to drive you into it and drown you. It might be a financial situation. It just might be a a sheer heart issue. You can't get this one thing in your heart right. And you still have to interact with the person that that offense is against. What are you going to do? You're going to take the blood of Jesus, that same Passover lamb that delivered you out of Egypt, and you're going to step into that Red Sea and just do it again.
0: You're going to let death pass you by. Take a look. Turn with us to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings 13 and verse 17. 2 Kings 13, 17. It says this. This is Elisha. Speaking to the king of Israel, he tells the king to get bows and arrows in his hands. And then the man of God puts his hands on the king's hands and says this in verse 17. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. After a victory, an announced victory, shoot this arrow. This is a sign of your victory, the promise that God will help you. The man of God says, take the arrows and strike them on the ground. Okay, one, two, three. Look at the next verse in verse 19. The man of God was angry with him. Now, didn't he do what he said? So far, the king of Israel has been obedient to each step that he did. Do you know why I think Elisha was so mad? He says, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Uh, Let me tell you, my friends, the point of this is not how many times, whether it was five or six or three The point was, was Elisha saw in the king of Israel an attitude that he wasn't just willing to just do it again. He wasn't willing to continue on to make sure that the victory was complete. There was something about this act when he did it three times. One, two, three. Church, do you have a distance that you will go in the Lord and obedience, a level of obedience that you're comfortable with and you just plan on stopping? But I did it three times. Just do it again, church. But, but, but I tried and, and, and it was difficult. Just do it again. You don't know if this time it's going to take five or six or 500 or 5 million. You just got to keep striking the ground until the man of God tells you to stop until there is full victory. That is won for you. I can't tell you how many times to strike the ground. Even Elijah just has five or six, what would that have shown? That he's got a just do it again kind of mentality. Come on, do you have a just do it again mentality in this place today? If you don't, you need to get it right now. This is not a word for some other church, some other place. We didn't read this online. We didn't pull it out for the first February in 2019. This is a word for us today. You got to just do it again. But, but, Pastor, just do it again. But what? Just do it again. Sounding like a parent now, aren't I? Yeah, I don't want to hear your excuses. Just do it again. Why? Because you need to just do it again. It will show a victorious spirit. It will allow a victorious spirit to rise up within you. The successes of today can be built upon. Just do it again. The right conversations that you're having with your spouse. Just do it again. I led well today. Amen. Just do it again. It's not about the number of times that you strike the arrow on the ground. It's about your heart that says, I'm just going to do it again. How many times do I need to? Until I win. Until there is victory fully manifest in front of me. That's when I get to think about not doing it again. If the Lord speaks to me from heaven and says, that's enough. Stop. I will stop until that moment. I'm going to presume that what he said before is what I'm supposed to continue to do. Amen. We've said this for a long time at this church. What was the last thing that God spoke to you to do? Are you still doing it? Or did somewhere in the process you forgot to just do it again? Come on now. This is for us today. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do it again. Just do it
1: again. And brother, I think that you're speaking and sounding like a parent, but more importantly, you're sounding like a pastor. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 32. Just do it again. Victor. (laughs) Victor. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seals of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering on the wood. This is a point of contention with the prophets of Baal that Elijah had. I want to relate it to us, though. He built an altar. He gathered the wood. He gathered the sacrifice. And he began to pour the water on it. What kind of conditions, favorable conditions, do we require ministry to flow out of our lives. If it was me, if it was you, we would go get the driest wood possible. We would stack it to where it had the greatest amount of airflow. We'd even go to academy. We'd get one of those little phosphorus sticks with the striker on it and we would scrape our magnesium all over it. So maybe just a wind blowing by would cause a spark and it would ignite on fire. We would make sure that there was no water anywhere near it. We would create a 50-foot barrier around it so that the power of God could move and demonstrate the impossible, right? <laughs> come on. How much do you expect to do the will of God? Unless you say, come and be a part of fellowship and integrating, knitting your lives with other people in the body. But you have to be in the right health to do it. It has to be the right time of the day that's favorable to you, to fellowship. That when a brother needs help, you have more important things to do to take care of before you actually go help him. That you may be guilty of hitting that silence button on your phone when they call at 3 o'clock in the morning. Not the red one that slides off and lets them know that you just rejected their call. I mean, just the volume button, you hit it down one time and therefore you don't hear it ring. It's like, oh, sorry, I was sleeping. I didn't hear you call. How many favorable conditions do we set up for ourselves in expectation for God to do something supernatural? But instead, what Elijah did is that he poured water over it, not just a cup of water, four jars of water on this. And the next line, verse 34, what does it say there, saints? He did it again. That's the second time. Verse, or continue on. on. Do it a third time. Say, "Just just do it again. Come on, when we're stepping out in faith to do something big, bad, and bold for the kingdom of God. I want to be used by Jesus. I want to do something great for God. Life, God, my life is all of yours. Are we willing to have our sacrifice soak in impossibility? in order for him to do it, and then ask for it, do it again. Do it again. This would be paramount to the Lord calling me to be a marathon runner and both of my legs decay and fall off. You know what? I'm still going to try and run a marathon. And I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again because it doesn't depend on our natural resources. It depends on the supernatural power of God flowing you to just do it again.
0: Consider Jesus in Luke chapter 5. The disciples had fished all night long. They were fishing all night long. And then Jesus sees them there and gets the boat and begins to teach. So after you've worked all night long, then you have a nice sermon from Jesus himself. He's teaching. They're like, man, I'm tired. Hey, man, this is good. That was a good word, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) of course it was. And then Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, you know what you guys need to do? You need to go out and cast out in the deep and let your nets down again. It's time to go fishing again. Yeah, You see, I'm already exhausted, Lord. You see, I I tried that before. (laughs) We've already done that. We fished all night long. We didn't catch anything. See, we're professional fishermen. We know what we're doing. We help run dad's business. And we did this all night long to no avail. Master, we've worked hard all night. We didn't just go out there. We weren't just hanging out sleeping. We were actually working. And haven't caught anything. Does that describe some areas of your life today? You've been working hard. When other people are sleeping, you've been working. When other people are resting and doing nothing, you've actually been putting in the time to try to get something achieved. But it feels like the product so far is nothing. But because you say so... (laughs) I will just do it again. Amen. I will just do it again. And what happens when they just decided to just do it again? Not only did they catch so much fish that their boat was about to sink, they had to get some brothers to come over. Come help us. Our provision is too great for us to handle by ourselves. And both boats were about to sink. It's time for us to have a just do it again kind of attitude, because maybe it's not about your boat that needs to get filled. Maybe you just doing it again will give the provision to your partner, to your brother, to those here in this place that they need it too. They're going to reap and they didn't even sow. You know why? Because you just did it again. Come on. That is the right spirit that we're supposed to have in this place today. Look at your neighbor and say, just do it again.
1: Just do it again.
0: Turn to another scripture. Just do
1: it again. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. We are not a scripture light church. Just Just do do it it again. again. For our light and momentary troubles. You know, that would be an insult. If you walked up to a family in this church who is struggling with some immense health issue, some financial issue, or been under a spiritual barrage... say, don't don't worry, brother. That's only light momentary. I'll check you tomorrow. I'll pray for you. It's an insult. But if we continue reading, we see that it's not an insult. It's a a realistic perspective when you are looking and staring at the king of kings in his eternal glory. Light momentary troubles, say this with me, are Are. achieving. achieving, achieving, are light and momentary troubles put in proper perspective to the glory of God are achieving for us an eternal glory. Every time that you are coming against hell and earth while trying to do the will of God and you are just getting beat to death in your face, in your heart, in your mind, you just can't keep or seem to keep your breath. I want you to say this out loud these light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory. Amen. You've all gone through troubles of some shape and form, and it looks like the world is going to come to an end. For instance, I watched my daughters take exams on SOS. Now, they, they learn independently with additional oversight from us, but when they go to take an exam, they are all on their own. They have to be in a padded room, no sound, maybe just their earbuds with their favorite music. No one can even knock on the door, or the world will come to a complete end. But once that exam is over, they're bebopping around the house, they're eating popcorn, they're fellowshipping, they have come back to life almost as if that moment was a light and momentary moment. Come on, how much more is our troubles, our uh, conflict that we have to go through in comparison to the eternal glory of God. Are they just light and momentary? We have to just do it again.
0: Amen.
1: The light momentary troubles of yesterday. Guess what? You're going to have to do it again because there's an eternal glory waiting for us as we continue in verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen. That fixing is just doing it again. Come on, you know what it's like whenever you see something that you really, really want. So it could be a vehicle you're looking to purchase. Ladies, it could be a pair of shoes that you see at DSW. Guys, it could be the next vape mod at Vaporify. Your eyes are fixed on it. And it doesn't mean that you stand at Vaporify at the counter and just put your eye up to the glass. That'd be kind of weird. Maybe. Okay, yeah, probably so. But that means that it is constantly on your mind and you are doing whatever it takes to get to that goal. You're willing to just do it again and again and again. That when we have our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, we are willing to go through any trial to get to that eternal glory because we're willing to just do it again.
0: Come on. We want you to turn with us to Psalm 118. And as you're doing that, I just want to remind you of David as he's fighting Goliath. David is fighting Goliath. He's got how many stones in his shepherd's bag? He's got five. Why? Because he's just going to do it again. He's he's engaging one giant. He's looking at one guy going, this could cost me my life. But if it doesn't, this may take everything that I have. I may not come out of this situation alive. But if I do, I plan on just doing it again. Are there more giants? Oh yeah, there's other ones. Yeah, I'm going to be ready now. I'm going to start storing up now. I'm going to put the stones of his word in my heart now so that I could just do it again because I don't know what's after this one giant. I see him here and I'm going to take his head off and I don't know what's next. So I'm just going to do it again. See, I'm going to be ready with his word so I can just do it again. Not take a victory lap, not take a week off, not ask for all the accolades that he got. I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to do this again. Are you ready to go again today? Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do it again. again.
1: In Psalm 118, verse 10, all the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Say, just do it again. Just do it again. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Just Just do do it it again." again. Come on, follow me on this third one. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Just do it again. We have a command from the living God to engage in battle and just do it again. Luke 13, turn there with me. Luke chapter 13
0: and verse 32. Pastors, we get your point. No, I don't think you do yet. The point is not for you to get the, the point of this message here as you're sitting here in comfort. The point of this is that it gets down into your spirit so that when you are out there facing difficulties, you will just do it again. You will find the righteous and the right path to be on and you will just do it again. The sacrifice that you made yesterday, yesteryear, that is not enough because you're just going to have to do it again. Lord, but I gave you everything I had back there. Yes, do it again. Lord, but I've already given up my hopes and dreams. Yes, do it again. Lord, but but I thought I've given you all. Yes, and you're just going to have to do it again. Look at what Jesus says here. Tell me that Jesus is not intense with this. Luke 13, 32. He replied, you go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow and the third day. I'm just going to keep doing it again and again. And I will reach my goal. If this is like the arrows, do you think that he really cares if it's three days to get to his goal? Or if it's 30 days or if it's 30 years, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep doing this because he has the just do it again attitude. In any case, in any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day. I'm going to just keep going on again and again and doing the father's will. I know that I'm walking to my death. I know that I am heading to the end of my life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do it again. That walk that I've made so many times. From the city of Jerusalem out to Gethsemane, down through the Kidron Valley, I've made that walk many times. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do it again. And he's going to show us by his very character the attitude that we should have. In Revelation
1: 1-5, Jesus is given some accolades and titles. He's a faithful witness. He's a firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He was able to achieve these accomplishments because he just did it again. Each time he would heal someone, each time he would cast out a demon, even raise the dead, you know what? He woke up the next day and he said, I'm just going to do it again. Everything that he did was a response to the father's voice. It was a response to the leading of his father's direction. No matter the cost that it required, even his own life, and the result is that he received the crowning achievement of being a faithful witness. He received the crowning achievement of being the firstborn from the dead. He received the crowning achievement of being the King of Kings and the
0: Lord of Lords. Do you want to be included with that King? Amen. Just do it again. Amen. Turn back with us to First John chapter three, and verse in chapter five. First John five. I'm sorry. And verse 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. It says this. This is love for God. To obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You know, as I was looking at that, the word for victory there is Nike. Can you put the slide up there for me, Joy? Nike. Not kidding. It's victory. The victory that overcomes our sea on a day like today. We've got grown men playing children's games, wearing slogans that say, just do it. But we know that that's not real victory. Because you can achieve it once. It's not the kind of victory that this passage is teaching us about, is it? It's not just that you're going to try something once and you're going to, yay, I got it once. You're just going to do it again. You're just going to keep working through this, that his victory that overcomes the world may be seen in you. The Greek goddess Nike was one that would go around on the battlefield in a chariot, handing out crowns to those who were victorious. Nike. One who would travel around in chariots to hand out crowns to the victors. What does that mean for us today, saints? If you're not on the battlefield, you have no chance of getting a crown. You have no chance of proving yourself victorious if you're not engaging in the battles that the Lord set before you. Do you find yourself running away, hiding from the battles that are there? We are a church who teaches to engage with the battle. Yeah. Pastor, what battles are you talking about? I'm talking about the battles of your own emotions. Come on. I'm talking the battles of being faithful to the Lord down inside. You'll say one thing to us, but on the inside you're quaking because you're not able to stay faithful. This is not to just do it, folks. You've got to just do it again. Yeah. You've got to stay faithful in your thoughts. But, Pastor, I've been faithful for a long time. Amen. Just do it again. Look at the next word there. This is the victory that has overcome the world. So it's Nike, and the very next word in Scripture in the Greek is this. This was 535.29. It's 3528. Nikeo. So you're going to Nike the Nikeo of the world. This is the victory that Nakaos the world. Come on. To be victorious, to prevail, to conquer, to overcome. This is what the Lord has for us. This is a verb. The first word was a noun. It's a victory. It's describing something that's external to you. This, I'm gonna call it a being verb today. It's a being verb. This is something that you are supposed to be being overcoming. You're supposed to be being victorious in what God has for you to subdue your enemies around you. This is an ongoing step after step after step process. Look at your neighbor and say, just do it again. Just do it again. This is what this word is saying to us. Think about the churches in Revelation for just a moment. Revelation chapter two, verse seven. Uh, Joy, these are not on the in the notes. Just if you'll follow along with me. Revelation two, seven. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To the one who is victorious, to the one who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Look in verse 10 of the same chapter. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. How do you get a victor's crown? How do you become a band of victory? Come on. You got to just do it again. Even if it puts you to the point of death and persecution, you have to just do it again. What areas in your life have you failed to just do it again, church? I'm not asking you if you have areas. I'm asking you what areas. Pastor, I'm doing good. Amen. Does that mean you're doing 90% good? What if you're doing incredible and you're doing 95% good in your life? That's 5% that you got to just do it again. And let's be honest. There's probably few people in here who could say you're somewhere in the 90s. Man, we want you to have a victorious walk with the Lord. All this low thinking, low living, the Lord is calling us up from where we are today. He's calling us and saying, David, it's time to walk in a victor's crown. It's time to just do it again. Have you been doing it for years? Amen. Thank you, JJ, for doing it for years. Just do it again. There's not a man or a woman or a child in this room who's reached where you're supposed to be. You might even be like one of us as pastors and functioning in the calling that God put you on the planet for. And guess what we got to do? Just do it again. We can't leave the very principles that got us to where we are. We can't say now we know we're going to tell you to read the word of God every day, but we're going to, you know, rest on what we already know. God help us. Truth is, is you guys would find that out and sniff that out in a second. Pastor, are you OK? Are you sick? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sick. That's what it is. If you walk through all of the churches, there are statements to the to each one that says to him who overcomes. You know what the word there is? It's Nikeo. The one who is constantly walking in victory. We are allowed to sit on his throne. We're allowed to be a pillar in his house. We're allowed to be dressed in white with our name blotted out. We're allowed to have authority over the nations. We're allowed to have hidden manna. White stone with a new name on it. We're allowed to not be hurt by the second death. You know why? Because we're walking and overcoming victory. And we are crowned with Victory. We are a band of victors in this house today. There's so many things
1: I'm proud of. You guys, the church. You're able to sit through a five-hour acts class as an auditor and glean from it, not want to leave the table and waiting for even more. You're able to sit through an hour and a half sermon and a total of a three-hour service. And if it's cut any shorter than that, you are upset that you've been shortchanged. What has taken years and years to do to build this kind of culture where there is an intense love for Jesus along with an intense pursuit of Jesus. It has meant that a handful of men and women of God just did it again. Just did it again. We came to church every single time when we were sick because I know that being around the family of God, it put me in a position for healing better than sitting on my couch. I knew that any time that people were getting together to open up the Word of God, I could glean more from that than I would just hanging out with my own free time. Soaking my feet in lavender oil, whatever else people do in their free time. In John 16... Jesus gives an encouragement. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. That's more than encouragement. That's a promise. That's our As pastors, that's our promise to you. Andrew Hayes, you're going to have trouble. Dave, you're going to have trouble. Every single one of you will have trouble, but that's not where he stopped. He said, take heart. Look at your neighbor and say, take heart. Take heart. That means rock kazak firmly grasp the nature, the, the name, the reputation of who God is, because he said, I have nikeoed, knocked out, I have the world, we have a knockout king next to our side, that when we face those troubles, he is going to guarantee our victory, and he's going to knock it out right in front of us, go to first Corinthians chapter nine, verse 24. you guys are hungry students you guys are faithful brothers and sisters the people who join our church they love it they're inspired by it by it and the one thing they use to describe this church is that you guys are intense very intense it's very just beards and more beards and other beards they the reason that we are so intense is because we know what it takes to have victory. We know what it takes to overcome the world by leading on our knockout king. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners, Nike, they, they run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Today is a carnal festival of men playing boys' games that have gone into years and years of strict training. I do admire their commitment to the training. It's superb. But this, this day, I would say holiday, this day is celebrated probably second to Christmas itself, where people will cook They'll open up their homes. They'll get, they'll go buy a fourth or $5,000 TV just for this day. They'll circle around it to celebrate children's games. If your life revolves around a multi-billion dollar industry of children's games and you live to have a Super Bowl party at your house, your life is pathetic. It is empty. It is idolatrous. You're running for a prize that will fade. Next time somebody is just going on and on about the Astros, about the Texans, or whatever else, ask them who won the world championship or the Super Bowl five years ago. Unless they are just steeped in idolatry and have memorized all the stats, they can't tell you. Then if they do remember five years ago, ask them 10, ask them 15. But what kind of prize, what kind of crown are we going to get? We're going to get one that wins every time and last for an eternity. Come on. We're going to get perpetual victory. That means that one thing that you overcame yesterday, and that you overcome again today, that will never be forgotten. That will stand as an eternal and perpetual victory before the King of Kings, but more importantly, more than any audience at a Super Bowl could ever have. Amen. He goes on to say, Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. When you do not have this deep conviction, this ability to see perpetual victory, you'll find yourself aimless. What am I really fighting for? You may even say in your heart, I know, Pastor, I've come so far in the time I've been here at LCM, but I'm just kind of tired of fighting. I'm not really sure what to do with my life. What's my purpose? I don't even know my mazuzi yet. Everybody is so much better than me. Maybe I just need to lay down and whatever. (laughs) Get your eyes fixed on the perpetual victory. Amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus is applied to you. Every single one of you. When you fix your eyes on that perpetual victory through the blood of Jesus, you are no longer aimless, but you are purposeful. Yeah. You're no longer just beating the air. You are beating the face of the enemy.
0: Amen. Turn with us to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. We're turning a corner here to move towards an ending. Because we want to have time for us to actually demonstrate living in a victorious way today. 2 Timothy two five says this. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does it to receive the victor's crown. Unless he competes. Uh, He does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. There are many types of crowns that we can get. We don't have time today to go into the types of crowns that the Bible actually lays out very clearly. But there's only one way to achieve these victor's crowns. That's being faithful to the point of death. That's being so faithful. Even our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That attitude that just says, I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to do it again until the God of all creation sees and says something different. Until he moves in my life in a way that allows me to do something different. But then it will be because I've achieved my crown of victory. We've got to be a band of the victors. That we might achieve a crown of life, a crown of righteousness. Jesus had a crown of thorns that he participated in. A crown of thorns that became our victor's crown. Something that we could stand in. Something that we can stand with. So that we could have a crown of life. Come on, I want to have a victor's crown today. Amen. I want to have something to be able to offer the king of kings with my life. I want to have a crown that I can then lay at his feet one day. I want my life to be a crown of victory. Ephesians
1: 6.13, I'll read it to you. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, say everything, everything, what does that leave out? Nothing, nothing. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm Then I hear in that, just do it again. Just do it again. Come on, those hard days, those difficult times wrestling with your emotions, your thoughts, Other people's emotions, other people's thoughts, and you stood your ground. You had that right word at the right time that delivered you or delivered them from that emotion or that heart issue. And it felt like it took every ounce of energy. You did everything right. Just do it
0: again. Isaiah chapter 62. Man, you're going to like this. You You better get ready for this. Isaiah 62 we're going to start in verse 1 yeah. Victor. Say Victor when you're there Victor, Victor.
1: Victor. Victor.
0: Victor. Isaiah 62 verse 1 Victor. 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 It says this For Zion's sake I will not keep silent For Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet Till her righteousness shines out like dawn Her salvation like a blazing torch The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. What an amazingly beautiful passage. Look at verse 3. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. A royal diadem in the hand of our God. What are we talking about today? Are we talking about only trying to achieve getting a crown? My friends, we're talking about becoming a crown of victory. We're talking about being a crown of splendor in God's hands. That is what we are moving towards today. This idea that our lives are supposed to be a crown. That our faithfulness, our attitude of just doing again will help us to receive a crown. But the whole point of trying to do that is that our lives may become the very symbol of victory. That everything that we are, we are defined. We have become that overcoming spirit in and of ourselves. As the Lord has empowered us, we become a crown. Where? In his mighty hand. For his glory. Because it was his victory that was wrought in our lives to begin with. Our lives are supposed to be a crown of victory in his hands.
1: You know, in the early the series in Band of Brothers, we taught you guys about the word that means to knit together. That adversity knits our hearts together. And it's designed to lead to this very point of being a band, a crown of victors. Philippians 4, one. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown. He is speaking to his brothers that their victory is, is his victory it's a crown of victory and it's a joy of victory come on you've been here whenever an announcement has been made for a couple that has been struggling for years to have a child and when that announcement is made everyone comes off the seats with a glorious and joyful eruption because their victory is our victory We have interceded. We have prayed. We have sought the heavens. And now that promise is in process of being fulfilled. You are our crown. We are your crowns. We want to show you guys off to the king of kings and everybody else underneath that. You are becoming a crown. A crown of victory. If you hold firmly to the brotherhood that God is knitting you into that we join the suffering. We join, therefore, the victory of our King. Let's go to one of our last scriptures in Acts 7, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, I want you to ask yourself and really be truthful about your introspection. Right now, are you full of the Holy Ghost? It doesn't mean three-quarter. doesn't mean seven-eighths. Are you full? In our earlier worship service, what God was moving on this church in your hearts was to get right with him through his blood. But that's not where he wants to stop. He wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because he wants you to experience the same victory that Stephen did. Let's read further. Full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. You know, one of the things that being full of the Holy Spirit does, it gives you eyes to see the glory of God. It gives you discernment. It's the very thing that you guys were praying for at the altar in the first worship getting right with God through his blood, then getting full of God with his spirit is going to give you the eyes to see what God sees and do what God does. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Because he is full of the spirit, he is able to see the king of all victory standing up for him. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. By Stephen being, Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit, He was able to see the glory that would eventually blind this same man on the road to Damascus. Hmm. That he loved not his life even unto death, and the one giving the leadership approval for his persecution would then be later transformed by that same power and filled with that same spirit. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost saints. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost so that even our greatest enemies that are persecuting us, that are stoning us, that are giving approval to the masses that would would want to harm us, that they too have that same transformational power from God that we have. But while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. This is a moment where his light and momentary troubles are achieving. An eternal glory for him. He prayed. Lord Jesus receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees. And cried out. Lord do not hold this sin against them. Being full of the Holy Spirit. Gives you supernatural compassion. Being full of the Holy Spirit. Gives you that apt word. To transform and convict. That person's heart. Who is set against you. The result. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen was more than a survivor. He was more than just part of a band of brothers. He was even more than a restorer. He was a victorious crown in the hands of a king. Wow. I want to show you a slide that defines Stephen's name. Stephanos, meaning a crown. The first mor- martyr of the Christian church. And his name, his reputation, is one that is a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. What's your name? What's your reputation? What would this be if it were you? Do you need to be full of the Holy Ghost? Do you want to be full of the Holy Ghost? No more living in a, a state or a spirit that says... Not this again. But instead being full of the Holy Spirit and said, yes, just do it again. Amen. we got to repent of that not again spirit. we got to run to the presence of God and be filled with a just do it again spirit. we got to ask and cry out to be filled with his spirit. So I want you to stand to your feet. Let's begin to lift up our heads, hands, lift up our heads and our hearts. And let's begin to cry out for the living God to fill us with His Spirit. Fill me full, mighty God. Fill us full right now, Jesus. We need that. Just do it again, Spirit. Just
0: do it again. Lord. We
1: need that just same transformational power in Stephen inside of us, so we can transform others. Mighty God, we invite Your presence. Move, convict our hearts. If there are areas of our life that need to get right, so we can receive it, we say, Come, Lord come Lord with a conviction come with the blood that sanctifies us come with that that power to transform us Lord and fill us again with your spirit here's what I want to do saints as we begin to worship the right side, my right side here if you are not right with God and you need salvation or you need repentance I want you to come to this right side there will be pastors and elders helping you pray if you want to be full Of the Holy Ghost. I want you to come to this side. Pastors and elders will pray. I want you first though to inspect your hearts. Let it be the right motive. Let it not be like Simon the sorcerer. I just want to come and get filled with power in order to be powerful to my brothers. But I want to come and be full of the Holy Ghost so that I can give my life away. I can serve my brothers even until my death and it results in other people's transformation. If you want to come down to this side for salvation and repentance, let it not be just to absolve your own conscience of guilt, but let it be because you see the author and perfecter of your faith. You see the only source of salvation to which outside of it you are damned and you are going to bust hell wide open. Let your hearts be sprinkled with his blood so you can be full of his spirit.